Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. We'll look in the book of James, chapter number one. And I'm going to read uh, from verse number 19. I want you to look at it in your Bible. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You don't speak too quickly in order that you allow yourself to, um, to get over emotions that may cause you to say things that you shouldn't say, act in ways that you shouldn't act, and you just say something real uh, quickly, and then you're sorry for it. But you know what? You can't take it back. You can say you're sorry and you can receive forgiveness, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes, not, I'm not talking about every time, but there's sometimes we can say things that are so hurtful that they cut to the bone, if you know what I'm talking about. And it, it is not just, oh yeah, forgive me. Yes, I forget. It's not that. It doesn't happen that way. There are things that cut you, that wound you, that hurt you. And you know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, see, you know, the Bible doesn't know that. Because the Bible says that words or the tail, tail bear's words go down and, and cut you to your heart. And so we say things to one another. And listen, the person that you're with, that you're, that you're married to or either going to marry, these are the people that you love the most. And sometimes we hurt them the worst by saying things that we shouldn't say and then try, you know, just be so sorry and want to take it back. But it doesn't always work that way. Now, not that we don't instantly forgive, but you don't always get over real quickly. You've got to deal with an emotional side of it. When somebody does something to you, it's not like, you know, turn this way, then turn that way, and you're someone else and all the emotions are gone. You've got to work your way through emotions, don't you? Okay? And so we can see then that we need to be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Or anger. You know, isn't it something how that we can just be fine and all of a sudden, you know, uh, our spouse can say something to us and we can just flare up just like, you know, a big lighter just cutting it on. And here we are. We just are flaming. Uh, and it happens, doesn't it? And some of you, maybe it even happened this week. Who knows? But see, the Bible says to be slow to get angry or slow with wrath or that blazing up temper. He said to be slow in that. Well, how can you be slow in that? i tell you how. You've got to teach yourself. You've got to train yourself. You've got to discipline yourself through the Word of God. Okay, we see it here, then we do it. But how do we do it? We counter it by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot say that enough. And I know I talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit a lot, but I will continue to talk about it a lot because therein lies the answer to our problems. We need patience. We need self-control, and that's being led by the Spirit. In other words, when the anger and, and the words, you know, we just want to let them flow, just let them rip. And, and we don't do that because we've got the Holy Spirit accomplishing His purpose through us and we control ourselves. And we have patience. 
Do you, you know, when your spouse is trying to tell you something or doing something and they're not doing it fast enough or doing it the way you would and you just get all out of patience, does anybody ever do that? No, not anybody in here, I'm sure. Well, you see, we need to work on that. We need to let patience work in our life. We need to allow the Holy Spirit's work of patience in us with one another and with our children. You know, we, we really need to do that. I know when my kids were smaller, you know, um, they, you know how kids are. They got their own way of doing things and, and they're not going to do it on our time schedule. And, uh, you know, we may have to get with them a little bit on it. But, you know, I really had to work on myself in being more patient with my kids because they're kids. They're not adults and they don't know. And that's why I'm in their life. I'm the parent and I'm teaching them and I'm training them. So I had to learn patience. And that was one of the toughest things for me. But I want to tell you something. Um, I have seen over a period of years now, I've seen more patience in my life. You know why? Because I knew it was my problem and I knew I needed to work on it and I prayed about it and I saw the scripture and I began to discipline my flesh and walk in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh and just any old thing goes. See, you might can do that as long as you're in the world or you might can do that as long as you're a carnal Christian. But once you understand and start reading the Word of God, you see it, it's yours. You have to live by it or else, you know. I say you have to. God doesn't make you, but if you're going to be a successful Christian, you will. You will do that. Okay, so we can see then in James that we need to, to watch more carefully what we say. In Proverbs 15, verse number 1, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but listen to this, but grievous words stir up anger. A soft answer. When, when your spouse comes home from work and they've had a hard day and they're just barking at you, and you don't bark back, but you softly, well, honey, just let me get you uh, a glass of iced tea. Or why don't you just sit down here and let me get, your, uh, get the newspaper for you or something and, and respond softly. You know what? You turn away wrath when you do that. You turn it away. In other words, it's headed towards you and it's going to blast you and whoever the other person is, it's going to just cause some real problems, but because you answer softly and respond not the same way that they came to you. Well, what does that take? That takes a lot. It takes humility. It takes meekness because the first thing I want to do is bark right back. Isn't, isn't that what you want to do in your flesh? But you see, the more we train ourselves not to respond that way, the easier it becomes. At first, it is so hard to do that. You want to do anything but that. And sometimes you just don't even need to say anything because whatever you say is going to be the wrong thing coming out. And that's why you need to be slow to speak because what you say sometimes, you know, can get you in trouble. And listen to this, Proverbs 30, 32. If you... 
have thought evil, lay your hand upon your mouth. If you have thought evil, lay your hand upon your mouth. Okay, your spouse comes in. They've had a hard day. You're ready to greet them, be friendly, you know, glad to see them. And they don't respond the way you were hoping and <laughs> counting on them responding. And so in, instead of, you know, and in your mind, you've got this thought, well, you think I've had such a good day? <laughs> you think everything has been okay with me? Just let me tell you about my day. But see, you thought it, but you don't speak it because you stop it. And he said, if you have to, take your hand and put it on your mouth. He said, if that's what you have to do, if that's what it takes, you may have to go around like this. <laughs> Husbands, if your wife is nagging and cranky uh, for whatever reason, I'm sure it doesn't happen very often, but anyway, <laughs> then you may have to walk around the house for a half a day with your hand on your mouth. Ladies, if your husband's a bear when he comes home from work, you may have to do the same thing. Just And, and instead of speaking out what you're thinking, pray in tongues under your breath. Put your <laughs> Don't you think that's a good idea? Okay. Now let's turn to uh, Proverbs 18.22. Okay, this is a word to the husbands. All, all the husbands or fiancés or whatever, lift your hands up. This is for you. I want you to see this, okay? This is very important. Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I knew I'd get, a, I'd get some amens out of these women in here. See, he said finding a wife. In other words, when you find a wife. See, you just don't marry anybody, do you? No, you find them. It, it's, like, it's like mining for gold or something, you know? You read about, you know, when everybody was going west in the 1800s, you know, and they were mining for gold. They had to dig. They spent time and effort. Well, see, when you find a wife or a husband, and I can say that without, you know, being out of context with the Scripture, it is a good thing. It's good. And sometimes we may feel like, well, I'm cursed. <laughs> but hold on, better days are coming. The Bible says when you find a wife, you find a good thing. It's good. Wives are good. Amen. Contrary to what? Books and movies and everything paints, you know. And, and today, so many people forget husbands, forget wives. Let's just live together. Uh-uh. You know what? If I was a woman, I wouldn't degrade myself like that. Because all they're doing is using you. That's all, all that's happened is, is some man is using you for your body, not because they love you, not because they love you. You see, and so it's you find a wife, you find a husband, you make commitment to one another, you live for one another, you are dedicated to one another, and it's a good thing. And then what does it say? Men, now you should love this. 
you obtain favor of the Lord. So you've got favor because you've got a good, godly Christian wife. And we need, you know, men, we need to see it that way. And that is important. Say it's important. Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, that was my word for uh, husbands today. Now, I have a word for wives today. Now, this word to wives is much longer than the word <laughs> for husbands. Wonder why. Because, you, you know, don't you? Because women talk more. We're more spaghetti-oriented, remember? Men are like waffles, you know, got their little area, and that's good, that's good, because if it wasn't for the waffles, spaghetti would be a mess. It's a balance. Now, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but I've taught this before. I said men are like waffles, squares, you know, I don't mean square, but I mean... I'm not saying that in the wrong way. I'm saying they've, they're compartmentalized and they think inside that, and that's good because it balances the women out who are like spaghetti. And if you have a dish of spaghetti, have you ever tried to find one noodle and where it goes? It's everywhere, isn't it, in that bowl? And see, that's the way women are. That's the way we think, men. We can be four or five of us together talking, and we can be having four or five conversations at the same time. And then the man stands over there. Eddie's done this to me before. They don't know what you're talking about. And then the woman would speak up. Oh, yes, I do. I know exactly what she's saying. Because men, see, they don't think that way. That's the way women are. So we're like spaghetti all over the place, you know, different conversations, different actions, can do four or five things, you know, at one time, hopefully good. <laughs> That's debatable. But so I've got an idea why this scripture is so much longer for women because we need more explanation. We talk more and we want more words. Okay? So I want you to turn to Titus 2. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. Are you ready to hear this, ladies? All right, I hope you're ready now. If I can find it, this Bible, my pages are stuck together in it. Okay. Well, okay, Titus chapter number 2 and verses 4 and 5. Well, let's just read verse number 3 and you'll get the context of it here. Bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their deportment as become those engaged in sacred, sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. See, it's talking about the older women in the church. Now, it didn't say old. It said older. And see, you know this is a problem in the church today. Older women don't want to teach the younger women or don't take the time to teach younger women. And, and we could stop so many problems if we, if we would do that. Okay? Now this is a word to the wives here. So that they 
we'll talk about the older women, will wisely train the young women to be sane and sober of mind, to be temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands as their children. Now, I think it's really interesting here that we are to teach younger women to be temperate and to be disciplined. Why? Because you're younger sometimes, uh, you know, you might not be disciplined. You, you might be out of control. You might be spending too much. Uh, you might be, you know, your uh, uh, way you act and um, your hormone level, who knows whatever, you know. <laughs> you men know what I'm talking about. And so he says it's very important to be temperate and to be disciplined and to love their husbands. Now, Okay, why do people get married? Well, because they don't want to be alone. <laughs> Who said that? Pamela. Pamelina said that. Okay, well, that could be part of it, but mostly it is because we supposedly love someone. Well, why do you think it's coming back here and it's saying older women teach the younger women, to love their husbands and their children. Because, folks, when we get married, what we're calling love is an attraction, and it's okay, you know, because I believe God gives us that. But see, it's to be much more than just the attraction. You know why? Because you let a year go in the marriage, you're used to each other, you know, it's not so lovey-dovey anymore, and then... Reality sets in, and you've really got to love your, your, your husband. You've really got to love them with the God kind of love that is the selfless, not self-seeking love. It's a giving love. And see, we have to be taught that. The older women have to teach the younger women to love their husbands and children with that kind of love. Now, I'm not... Look... The Bible says that in the last days uh, that there'll be uh, parents without natural affection. So I'm not talking about that. That's a perversion and that's demonic. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about loving with a different kind of love, with a love that the world doesn't know anything about. And, and so we've got to be taught how to love our husbands and our children. Okay, now listen to this. It tells us to be self-controlled. Older women talking to the younger. Be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers, good-natured, kind-hearting, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands that the Word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. Now, I want to go back up here. It, it says that those older women are to teach the younger women how to be self-controlled. In other words, not letting your emotions, your hormones, that time of the month or whatever, not letting that drive you uh, to be, forgive my phrase, but a witch. You know, we're to be self-controlled. Or, you know, if... Um, we get hurt or, or whatever that we, you know, are not, um, you know, being a southern belle and, you know, distressed and crying and, you know, but we can control ourselves. 
Not saying that, I'm not saying crying, you can't cry, that's not it, but you know, just go on and on and on. We're to be self-controlled, to be chaste, to be homemakers. I wanna zero in on that word, homemakers. I think, and every every day I think I realize this, and I realize it in our church body, I realize it in, in, in among Christians, we are losing we are losing this right here, being homemakers. And now that doesn't mean that you can't work outside the home, but it does mean that we keep our homes. Now, and it doesn't mean that if you work outside the home that the husband can't help do household chores because I believe that that's not fair to pile everything on one person. And we've talked a little bit about that. You know, the wife's been working all day. She comes in and cooks supper, and the husband goes and sits on the couch, and the kids are doing whatever they do, and here's the wife about ready to fall over and nobody having any mercy for her. I, don't, I just don't believe, that's, I don't believe that's right. I don't believe that's the God kind of love. But now it's different if the woman's at home all day and, the, and, and you know, and then the man's uh, out to work. Well, sure, you should do the meal and you should take care of it on your own, you know. You should be able to do that. Okay, she doesn't want to say that. Okay. But you understand what I'm saying. But we need to be keepers of our homes. We need to keep our homes in order and we need to keep them clean. And I want to tell you something. I, it repulses me, you know, to see how people keep their homes today. Now, you don't have to be. I know I'm probably overboard. I know I am. Everything has a place, and I want it clean, and I don't want a messy house. I can deal with messy for a little while while we're there, you know, just living, and, you know, it's a Friday night, and, you know, everybody's just kicked off their shoes. I, I don't have problems with that, but I don't live in disorder. And I understand that I might be more so, you know, leaning uh, that way. But I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't have your home so out of order that your kids are trying to go to school the next morning, but they can't find anything. All the clothes are in the dryer, in the dirty hamper, you know, and uh, we ran out of milk, so now we can't have cereal in the morning. And you shouldn't have your home out of order like that. You should have your home clean. You should have it in order. And you should have things set up to, for that family to be able to function and do what they need to do. I'm, I'm just appalled that somebody, some people just live in filth. That sh a Christian should not be living like that. You're, you're a king and a priest unto God. And, and if I'm hitting you this morning or whoever's listening to this, uh, then don't look at it like it's me. It's the Word of God that tells us that we need to be homemakers. And I know what it's like to try to keep a home and, and, uh, and, and do the work of the Lord, be full-time ministry and all that, and it's difficult. It is. There's no doubt about it. But, but still, and you know, I may not do everything perfect. I'm certainly not telling you that, and I don't want to lead you to believe that. But, but we need to be homemakers. We need to be people that makes a house a home. I can tell you, and it's the woman that's going to do that. It is not going to be the man. The man, God didn't make the man that way. The woman is the homemaker. She's the one that keeps that house in order. Not saying that everybody can't contribute. Your, your kids should contribute. You should teach them how to do chores. You know, the husband should help with some things, you know. 
But the woman is going to be responsible for that. And, and, and it, see, I'm stuck. I'm just stuck here and I can't get off. But I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. And cooking. We need, as women, need to know how to cook. I think it, you know, and we tried to do cooking classes here at the church. And, you know, we'd have 50 people sign up. You know how many come out? 15. It's like, well, I want to learn, but just not enough to show up. Well, you can't teach people. It's like we can't teach you about marriage and what the Bible says about the home unless you show up and you're here. Well, we can't teach you how to cook. We can want to, but if you don't, if you don't show up, we can't help you with that. But, but you need to know how to cook. I'm not saying that you need to be a gourmet cook. I'm not saying, saying you need to be a chef, but I'm saying if nothing else, just be a good old country cooking homemaker. You know? That's the kind of food I like. That's what I like to cook. I don't always fix it. And I've even learned ways to fix it that are not quite so fattening. You know, but but uh, we need to learn how to cook, and and make our grocery list and go to the store. Now, man, you might be getting bored with this, but it's just the way it is. See, I, I'm talking here, and I want everybody to hear it. Now, why am I saying this? So the husbands can this week. Well, now you heard what Pastor Nora said. <laughs> Don't you do that. You will make me their enemy. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, we need to work on these things. We need to work on them. And I'm telling you, you can get together in groups and get one person in a home that knows how to cook and get you four or five uh, ladies from this group and, and, and let them teach you how. See, the older women are to teach the younger women what to do, how to be homemakers. See, there's a, when you say the word homemakers, it's very... Much, very broad, very much information that's associated with that, you know. And, and cooking is a, a real vital part of that, you know. And it's like I told you, you need to keep your houses clean and, and, and do the right things there. And look, and I'll just tell you the truth now. I'm really getting on my case here. Aren't I? <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I drive through the parking lot, walk through the parking lot and see all these dirty cars and, Filthy cars on the inside, you know. I'm telling you, you should you shouldn't do that. Now I'm, you know, Eddie tells me, you know, he says you get that car piled up, but I'm always I'm taking stuff from one place to the other. It's not in there from two weeks and three weeks ago and food wrappers and drink cups and it's not that. I used to call my van the biscuit mobile. Because my kids, you know, we're always eating biscuits or burgers or something, and I'm always cleaning it up, you know. So I understand that things get dirty, but we ought to clean them up. We ought to wash our cars or take them and get them washed. We ought to vacuum those things out. Pick up that trash. Keep a litter box or bag litter box. Litter. <laughs> Especially if you got your cat in there. Okay, but litter bags. We need to... Pick up that trash and don't don't be messy and nasty. Amen. And that's the truth. And I'm completely out of time. And so today I've spoken to the men very shortly. And I've spoken to the women. And it took a lot more time and I still wasn't finished. Okay. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. 
we'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.